Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we'll go over the topic of nephrolithiasis from the renal section on medbullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 30-year-old man presents to the emergency department with severe colicky left flank pain of acute onset that radiates to the left groin. He also reports urinary frequency and urgency. Physical examination is significant for left-sided costovertebral ankle tenderness. Urine dipstick is heme positive. Urinalysis also shows envelope-shaped crystals. A non-contrast abdominal CT demonstrates a radio-opaque stone. This patient was diagnosed with nephrolithiasis. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick introduction, the clinical definition of nephrolithiasis is calculi or stones affecting the kidneys. However, these stones can also affect the ureter. In terms of epidemiology, the prevalence of nephrolithiasis is 12% in men and 7% in women. Risk factors include hyperparathyroidism, hypocitraturia, sarcoidosis, hyperoxaluria, renal tubular acidosis type 1, nephrocalcinosis, cystic fibrosis, hyperuricosuria, indwelling catheter, urinary tract infections, malabsorption, for example, Crohn's disease, horseshoe kidney, obesity, low fluid intake, gout, medications, for example, allopurinol, indinavir, acetazolamide, and topiramate. In terms of pathogenesis, nephrolithiasis can be secondary to substance precipitation affecting the kidney and the ureter. For example, hypercalciuria and low urine volume forms calcium crystals. In terms of prognosis, know that small stones are more likely to spontaneously pass. Now, let's go over the different types of nephrolithiasis stones with respect to etiology, imaging findings, stone shape, and treatment. So starting with calcium stones, the etiology can be from hypercalciuria, for example, idiopathic hypercalcemia. It can be secondary to hypocitraturia, which precipitates calcium oxalate stones, ethylene glycol, otherwise known as antifreeze ingestion, vitamin C abuse, Crohn's disease, and urine alkalinization, which precipitates calcium phosphate stones. Calcium stones on radiography or computerized tomography, otherwise known as a CT scan, is radio-opaque. As far as stone shape, calcium stones can be envelope or dumbbell shape if they are calcium oxalate stones, or wedge-shaped prisms if they are calcium phosphate stones. The treatment of calcium stones includes hydrochlorothiazide, citrate, and a low-sodium diet. Moving on to cysteine stones, the etiology can be from impaired cysteine reabsorption in the proximal convoluted tubule, which results in cystinuria. Cysteine can also precipitate in acidic urine, and know that the diagnosis of a cysteine stone can be done with a cyanide nitroprusside test. Know that a cysteine stone has a hexagonal shape, and the treatment will be dietary modification, specifically low sodium, urine alkalinization, or chelating agents in refractory cases. Moving on to struvite or magnesium ammonium phosphate stones, the etiology can be secondary to urease positive organisms such as Proteus mirabilis, Staphylococcus saprophyticus, and Klebsiella. Know that urease positive organisms subsequently alkalinize the urine, and this causes struvite stones due to precipitation. Struvite stones on radiography and CT scan will appear radio opaque. Know that struvite stones can result in a staghorn calculi. As far as stone shape, Struvide stones will have a coffin lid appearance. Treatment of struvide stones will be removal of the underlying infection and or surgical removal of the stone. Finally, moving on to uric acid stones, 
The etiology can be secondary to hyperuricemia, for example, in states of increased cell turnover and gout, and uric acid can also precipitate in acidic urine. Uric acid stones will appear radiolucent on radiography and are minimally visible on CT scan. As far as stone shape, uric acid stones will have a rhomboid-slash-rosette shape, and treatment will be urine alkalinization, allopurinol, and adequate hydration prior to chemotherapy treatment. Moving on to the presentation of nephrolithiasis, symptoms can include colicky flank pain, where the pain may radiate to the groin or lower abdomen, and symptoms can also include dysuria, as well as urgency and frequency. Physical exam will reveal low abdominal tenderness, as well as costovertebral angle or CVA tenderness. Moving on to imaging, nephrolithiasis can be worked up with renal ultrasound or a non-contrast computerized tomography or CT scan. The indication for a renal ultrasound is in patients who are pregnant and children who are suspected to have nephrolithiasis. In terms of the modality, you can ultrasound the abdomen and the pelvis to visualize the kidney and the bladder. Finally, moving on to a non-contrast CT, this is the preferred imaging for most adults presenting with signs and symptoms concerning for nephrolithiasis. In terms of the modality, you will do a non-contrast CT scan of the abdomen and the pelvis. As far as other studies to obtain in the workup of nephrolithiasis, as far as serum labs, you should obtain a creatinine, uric acid, and ionized calcium. As far as urine studies, a urinalysis slash urine dipstick should be obtained in order to check for red and white blood cells, nitrites, and urine pH. You should also obtain a urine culture. As far as stone composition analysis, this should be performed in patients who develop their first stone, and this can be done by straining the urine. Diagnostic criteria for nephrolithiasis is based on the clinical presentation and confirmed by imaging. The differential diagnosis for nephrolithiasis includes urinary tract infections, acute pyelonephritis, and a groin hernia. Treatment for nephrolithiasis can be medical or operative. Medical treatment includes analgesia, bed rest, and intravenous fluids, as well as alpha blockers or calcium channel blockers. Analgesia, bed rest, and intravenous fluids is considered the first-line treatment for uncomplicated urolithiasis, which is defined as less than 10 millimeters. Alpha blockers of calcium channel blockers can be considered to facilitate the passage of ureteral stones, as these medications appear to relax the ureter. Operative options include extracorporeal shockwave lithotripsy or percutaneous nephrolithotomy. Extracorporeal shockwave lithotripsy is preferred for renal stones less than 2 cm. Percutaneous nephrolithotomy is preferred for renal stones greater than 2 cm. Note that flexible ureteranoscopy can be an option if percutaneous nephrolithotomy cannot be done. Finally, note that complications of nephrolithiasis can include ureteral obstruction, ureteral stricture, urinary tract infection, and renal deterioration. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 47-year-old female presents to her primary care physician for follow-up after an ED visit for nephrolithiasis one week prior. CT scan in the ED revealed a 4-millimeter stone occluding the right ureter. She was able to pass the stone without assistance over the course of five hours. Pathology report on the stone states that it was composed of calcium oxalate. She says that the pain of passing the stone was excruciating and asks how she can prevent kidney stones in the future. Which of the following interventions is most likely to prevent renal calculi formation in the future for this patient? And the choices are 1. Decreasing calcium intake. 2. Decreasing sodium intake. 3. Increasing consumption of nuts and seeds. 4. Loop diuretic pharmacotherapy. 
and five, urine acidification with cranberry juice. The correct answer to this question is two, decreasing sodium intake. So decreasing sodium intake is the only intervention that will reduce the risk of calcium oxalate stone formation. To quickly review, calcium oxalate stones are the most common type of renal stone. Prevention of calcium oxalate stones focuses on reducing the concentration of calcium and oxalate within the renal collecting system, thereby preventing precipitation and stone formation. Calcium resorption occurs primarily in the proximal tubule and is dependent on sodium concentration. Reduction in dietary sodium allows more calcium to be resorbed in the proximal tubule, thereby decreasing stone formation. Other methods of preventing calcium oxalate stone formation includes increasing fluid intake and adding a thiazide diuretic if lifestyle modifications are not effective. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, decreasing calcium intake is only recommended if consumption is excessive, and it is generally recommended to consume normal amounts of calcium in these patients. Answer three, increasing consumption of nuts and seeds is unlikely to prevent future calcium stone formation. Additionally, certain nuts contain high levels of oxalate. Answer four, loop diuretics are not indicated for renal stone prophylaxis. Thiazide diuretics, however, have been shown to reduce stone formation. Finally, answer five, cranberry juice, while capable of acidifying the urine, has been shown to increase urine oxalate and calcium levels. It has not been shown to reduce the risk of stone formation. To leave you with a bullet summary, decreasing dietary sodium, increasing fluid intake, and thiazide diuretics are interventions that can be used to reduce the risk of calcium oxalate stone formation. And moving on to the final question, a 31-year-old obese Caucasian female presents to the emergency department late in the evening for left lower quadrant pain that has progressively worsened over the last several hours. She describes the pain as sharp and shooting, coming and going. Her last bowel movement was this morning. She has also had dysuria and urgency. Her surgical history is notable for gastric bypass surgery two years prior and an appendectomy at age 9. She is sexually active with her boyfriend and uses condoms. Her temperature is 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.5 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 151 over 83 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 86 per minute. Respirations are 14 per minute. BMI is 32. On physical exam, she has left lower quadrant tenderness to palpation with pain radiating to the left groin and left flank tenderness on palpation. Her urinalysis shows 324 red blood cells per high-powered field. Her pregnancy test is negative. Which of the following is the next best step in management? And the choices are 1. A KUB, that is a kidney, ureter, and bladder plain film. 2. Intravenous pilogram. 3. Transvaginal ultrasound. 4. Non-contrast CT scan. And 5. Exploratory laparoscopy. The correct answer to this question is 4. Non-contrast CT scan. So the clinical presentation is most likely consistent with nephrolithiasis. The most appropriate next step is to obtain a non-contrast helical CT scan to evaluate for renal stones. The patient in the question stem endorses symptoms commonly found with renal stones, such as colic pain, depending on where the stone is located, dysuria, urgency, nausea, and vomiting. Additionally, this patient has a history of gastric bypass surgery, which increases the risk of stone formation. The patient also shows hematuria without signs of infection on urinalysis. 
a non-contrast helical CT scan has high sensitivity and specificity for detecting all types of renal stones and can rule out other etiology for abdominal pain. Portis et al. describes that non-contrast helical CT scans have high sensitivity that is 95 to 100% and specificity that is 94 to 96% in identifying all stone types. Another advantage of this imaging modality is that measuring Hounsfield density of calculi allows one to differentiate between cysteine and uric acid stones as well as subtyping calcium-containing stones. In contrast, plain film sensitivity is 45 to 59% and specificity is 71 to 77%. Plain films may not detect stones that are purely uric acid or cysteine. Asplin et al. has found that patients who have undergone modern bariatric surgery demonstrate a higher level of hyperoxaluria, which increases the risk of renal oxalate stone formation. This is likely due to the increased absorption of oxalate absorption after surgery. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, a KUB or a kidney, ureter, and bladder plain film is incorrect as a plain film will detect large radio-opaque stones but may miss radiolucent stones such as uric acid or smaller size stones. Answer 2, intravenous pilogram is incorrect as an intravenous pilogram has higher sensitivity and specificity for detecting stones than a plain film and can show the degree of obstruction. However, this modality has fallen out of favor due to the risk of contrast reaction and radiation exposure. Answer 3, transvaginal ultrasound is incorrect, as this may be useful if there's suspicion for ectopic pregnancies or adnexal lesions and masses. However, the patient is not pregnant, has no signs of pelvic inflammatory disease, and the clinical presentation is more consistent with renal stones. Finally, answer 5, exploratory laparoscopy is incorrect, as this is an invasive procedure and some type of imaging would be useful for guidance before subjecting the patient to unnecessary risk and complication. That's all for this review about nephrolithiasis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.